Oh, yes. Yes. Father, we thank you now. We bless you, Father, for the power of the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost, your mighty power that destroys the yoke, that removes the burden. Father, release a fresh anointing of your spirit now that we won't just sing about the chains being broken, but that in every life in here today, the breaker will break the chains. God, have your way now. Have your way now. Cause this word to be an effective word. Cause me to speak it clearly with power and authority. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I need you to continue in a spirit of prayer as we go forth today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God. Hallelujah. 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 I need intercessors praying. I need intercessors praying. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In the book of Micah, chapter 2, the book of Micah, the prophet Micah, chapter 2. Glory, 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 glory. Hmm. Verse number 13. The breaker is come up before them. They've broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them or ahead of them. The breaker is come up before them. The, the NIV says, one who breaks open the way will go up before them. Acts chapter 1 again. Or chapter 2. 
when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what, a, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The breaker is come up before them. Who the one who opened, who breaks open the way has gone up before them. I want to talk about the breaker has gone forth. The breaker, the breaker, somebody say the breaker, has gone forth. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Very careful to come to you this morning with a word of restoration, a word of reconciliation and restoration from the Lord. I've discovered that, that God not only wants us to be reconciled to him, he wants us restored and not only restored to him, but, but, to, but restored to the place and the person that he created us to be. I want you to listen carefully to this, if you will. This is a serious problem. Uh, it's a problem, and it's a serious problem because most of us don't realize that even after coming to Christ, we need restoration in our inner self. And it's a touchy subject because we don't really want to deal with ourselves. It hurts too much. Sometimes we think it's too shameful to deal with the stuff that's going on inside of us. It's disgraceful sometimes. Sometimes we don't know how to open up how to reveal our pain and our shame. Sometimes we don't know who to trust with our shame and our pain. So we do just enough to look like we are a bit more spiritual than we were before. And then we stop in the process. We don't even allow God to complete the process in us. And we come to church, and we do what we do in church. But on the inside, we're still messed up, we're still torn up, we're still confused, we're still in bondage. We can sing about the power that's in the name of Jesus to break every chain and find that there are chains in our lives that are still unbroken. Sometimes the Lord can, 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 can begin to bring about change in our lives and after a while we find ourselves sinking right back into our old selves again. 
because we find it more comfortable and easier just to remain the same rather than to change. Change is not hard, it's not easy for anybody. So it's real comfortable just to be just the way we were. And only to change enough so that we can look spiritual. We might learn a new song or two and give ourselves over to going to church. We might even listen to spiritual things. But to deal with the monster that's on the inside is a bit too much uncomfortable for most of us. For most people. We're not alone. You're not alone. It's most people. We learn to hide in church. We learn to hide behind the mask of religion. And we learn the churchy things. And for most people in church, there's no real deliverance from the things that bind us. At the core of our being, there's nothing, there's no real deliverance for most people in church. Most of us feel that as long as nobody knows what we're doing, it's all right to do it. And God knows, but God understands. So we don't really think that we really need to change. And we have years of, and we have generations of, 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 of examples of, people who've been in the church but no real change no real change takes place and let me say again that it's real easy to slip back it's real easy to slip back into what has become comfortable for you it's real easy to slip back into what you know But God wants to break every chain. I, I, was, I was really blessed on Thursday, Friday, Thursday night. I went down to Augusta, Bishop Long, ministered on Thursday night. And I tell you, if I had the DVD, I would have played it this morning in worship because it was such a powerful message that left most of us sitting there with our mouths hung open. And when he comes again, when he, he's going to be at um, Zion Hopewell on June 23rd, I believe it is, as many of you as possible need to go. Um, but, uh, you know, he shared some, some very personal things um, and talked about how, and I'm sure it's all right for me to share this because he preached it, so I can share it. He talked about how um, when he and his wife would have what he called elevated um, discussions. He said, I get real elevated when I discuss things. My voice gets elevated and whatever. He said, when, when we would have these discussions, she would go into her room and lock the door. And so I realized what was going on. And once when we were not having an elevated discussion, I, I asked her, why does she do that? 
And she went on to explain to him that when she was a child, her father, who was a pastor, was an alcoholic. And on Friday, he would come home and he would beat her mother every Friday. And because it incited so much fear in her, she would always go in the room and lock her door. And so she found herself, even as an adult, going back to that same pattern of behavior. And he went on to share that, you know, he went to, they were going to marriage counseling and, and um, said when he went in the first session, the, the counselor started talking to him and uh, wasn't talking to his wife, was talking to him. And he said, uh, he was sitting there wondering, why are you talking to me? Both of us came for counseling. He asked the counselor, he said, but I read your book. And he said, you read my book, my book on taking authority? And he said, let me go back. He said he was saying to himself, let me go back and read this book because there was not anything in this book about marriage counseling. But the counselor began to talk to him about his childhood, something that he picked up from reading the book, said to him, your mother was really dependent upon you, wasn't she? He said, yeah. Uh, he talked about, he said, your father, you and your father didn't have a good relationship. He said, yeah, that's, that's correct. And a couple of other things that, that, that the counselor picked up just from reading the book. And to make a long story short, because this kind of ties into what we're talking about today, um, he talked about how we have so much baggage from childhood that has never been broken off of our lives. How we come as adults and the issues and the problems we have as adults, a lot of it stems from stuff that's never been broken off of our lives from childhood. One of the reasons we have you, let me tell you something. You can go to any church in the United States just about, and if you stay there long enough, you're going to find that people are going to have conflict with each other. But one of the reasons is, is that we're supposed to be adults, and we're supposed to be mature adults who know how to handle situations and circumstances, but what happens is, When there is an intensity in the realm of the spirit, for one thing, okay, I'm going to bring it back down to a, a practical level. And we stir up the devil by talking about breaking every chain. Satan comes back on the attack and we don't know how to deal with it. When he, he attacks us, and we don't know how to deal with it, we go back to what we're accustomed to. You can get into a de debate with a good friend of yours. A husband and wife can get into an argument about something. And if, 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 if we don't walk in the spirit, we will revert back to something that something that we learn, a way we learn to deal with things from when we were children.
of the way we saw our parents deal with things. And he said something else. He's, and, 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 and somebody said this, and I, and I, and I didn't catch it all to, to clearly. He said, you know, as, as adults, Satan really does not have to get us to do things as adults. He works hard at us when we are children to get our minds and to control our minds and to warp our minds. So when we become adults, all he has to do is flash up the memory card and make us remember something from our past and we will revert back to that thing. You ever wonder why it's so easy to fall back into old sin? All you got to do is start remembering it. And you don't, you don't intentionally remember these things. It's not that you have a notebook somewhere and you're going back searching through the notebook to find something from your past so you can remember it. You can be going on about your business. You can wake up in the morning and be laying in your bed and singing and praising the Lord and, and all of a sudden something happens to, to, to take your attention off of the Lord and then a thought will pop up in your mind. And if you don't bring that thought into captivity and don't begin to speak the word of God, you may not act on that thought right away. But before the day is out, or before two or three days are out, you'll find yourself acting on that thought. Believers, church people, preachers, teachers, singers, all of us have stuff that needs to be broken not just covered up, not just glossed over, right? You ever get in a hurry, you know, you've been doing something, you got to go somewhere, you're late, and you take a bird bath. We've all done it. You didn't clean every part, but you got the critical, you got the critical areas. We kind of gloss over stuff and spray some perfume and put on some deodorant so we can cover up some stuff that so we can get the real thing taken care of. And that's how we've done, and that's what we've done in, in Christianity. We're taking bird baths and we're not really cleaning the real thing. The real areas that need to be cleaned, that need to be touched, stuff that really need to be broken, it's not being broken. And we're coming to church, and we're going home, and we're, we're getting a good feeling in church. But a lot of us are not getting stuff broken in our lives. We're not getting stuff broken in our lives. The Lord's just been weighing this thing on me, and I went to bed last night thinking about this and woke up this morning just just thinking all about this and the Lord uh, I, I was on a prayer call the other morning and, and and the preacher said the breaker has gone forth so I went back in here and that's all he said and I went back and searched the scripture and the Lord took me to Micah chapter 2 verse number 13 
And, and this is where we are today. And I'll read it to you again, and this time I'll read it from uh, the NIV. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gates and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. What is this text dealing with? It's dealing with the restoration of Israel from Babylonian captivity. All right? And, and I'm going to walk through this. I'm, I'm going to try to you know, stay right here so you can hear me. You hear me good. Am I connecting to anybody right now already? Yeah. This deals with the restoration of Israel. Okay, now I want you to pay attention to this because the only thing I want to do is walk through this scripture and pick up some things and show you. All right? And hopefully this will help you uh, and help us. All right, because he says the, the one who breaks open the way, the breaker, the, 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 the King James says the breaker, all right, calls him the breaker, the one who opens up the way. Of course, the one who opens up the way, the one who is the breaker is God, all right? And you have to tie that because this is Old Testament, but part of the promise is messianic. So it's coming to, uh, it's coming to Christ Jesus and, of course, not just the crucified Christ, but the resurrected Christ. All right. Uh, and of course, with the resurrected Christ comes the, the, the descent and the infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. You know, now, now, traditionally, a whole lot of times the church has come to the resurrected Christ and stopped. Because all of us grew up, a lot of us grew up hearing this song. I wasn't there, but what? When? As a mighty Russian wind. I wasn't there, but I wished I had have been. When the Holy Ghost came as a mighty Russian wind. And so in the church, as I said this last Sunday, we have believed that what took place on Pentecost was for Pentecost only. Of course, not the Pentecostal church, and that was part of the reason that, uh, especially with Church of God in Christ, that they, when, when Bishop Mason was filled with the Holy Ghost and went back to his Baptist brethren, they said that this thing, this is of the devil. You know, what you got is of the devil. This is not of God. God doesn't do this anymore. This speaking in tongues stuff is of the devil. And they did not receive him after the Zusa revival. And they didn't receive him. And he, went, he, he couldn't stay there. So he started under the unction of the Holy Ghost, the Church of God in Christ, and if you know the history, the Assemblies of God, the, the founder of the Assemblies of God was a part of that same Azusa Street revival. This is, doesn't have anything to do with the message, but just for your information. It's part of that same Azusa Street revival. And so the, the Church of God in Christ and the Assemblies of God were together in the beginning. The separation only came because of racism. And, 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 and Bishop Mason had, 
incorporated his church and they, they were able to travel and get discounts and what have you as an incorporated body, as the, the Assemblies of God could not do that. And because of racism, there came a divide. But the point was that the majority of the church world has rejected Pentecost and a Pentecostal experience. Now we're tending to embrace it. But we're not, we don't want to embrace the fullness of it because people still want to limit the power of the Holy Spirit. But if things are going to be broken in our lives, counseling is not going to do it. Preaching is not going to do it. Praying alone is not going to do it. Changing what you do is not going to do it. The Holy Ghost is the only breaker. The Spirit of the Most High God is the only one who can break the chains in your life. So, Micah realizes that Israel is in bondage. They're in Babylonian captivity. God is dealing with them and speaking to them, but when you get to verse 13, Micah begins to speak, and Micah says, the breaker who opens the way, or the one who breaks open the way, will go up before them. As God talks about gathering his people, Micah realizes that they will only get free if God breaks through the gates and breaks open the gates and they will only come out if God leads them out. Now let me walk through this a little bit more. This deals with the restoration of Israel, I said. But when you look at this, it talks about a remnant. It talks about a remnant. Verse 12 says, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. There will be a whole lot of people, but they will only be a remnant. It won't be all of the people. So he is talking about the restoration of Israel, but from the vantage point of the standpoint of a remnant. I'm going to come back to that in a few moments. This remnant is returning to take possession of the land, the promised land. Listen now. What is the significance of land to the Israelites? For the ancient Hebrew, land belonged to God, but was given as an inheritance to each tribe or family. Pay attention. As an inheritance, land meant Yahweh's presence. For those of you who don't know, Yahweh is God's name. Okay? Land meant Yahweh's presence and faithful fulfillment of his promise. Land was viewed as a historical manifestation of the covenant uh, that Yahweh had made with Israel's ancestors. Land was a sign of salvation. God is concerned about us taking possession of his presence and his promises that he wants to fulfill in our lives. Let me back up again. 
Let me back up again. Land was given by God as an inheritance to his tribe of family. As an inheritance, land meant Yahweh's presence and faithful fulfillment of his promises. So as they're going back to possess the land, and for them it is a physical land. Listen now. But for us, it's not a physical land. Listen to me. God is concerned about us taking possession of his presence and the promises that he wants to fulfill in our lives. This is our inheritance as God's people who come to him through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our portion. This is for us. Jesus died, God raised him from the dead for this purpose. What a terrible but awesome price to pay just for your children to receive their inheritance and to live in the promises that you've made. How awesome this is, saints. God wants you to possess your land, but not a physical land. God wants you to possess your inheritance. Now think about land. Think about land. Land produces. Hear the Lord now. Land produces. Land produces gold. Land produces silver. Land produces precious metals. Land produces minerals. Land produces oil. Land produces crops. Land produces everything that we need to survive and thrive. God wants you to possess your land. All right? What God has for us is everything we need to survive and thrive. Now, many of us are surviving, but many of us are not thriving. God wants us to thrive. He wants us to thrive. Don't you want to thrive? This text speaks of the remnant who will possess the land that has potential for everything they need to survive and thrive. So when I take possession of God's presence, when I receive the presence of God in my life and the promises of God in my life, not only do I, do I receive salvation, but I receive everything that I need to survive and thrive. You say, I'm already saved. Yeah, but, 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 but are you really taking possession of the presence of God in your life? Are you really taking possession of the promises of God? Most people in the church don't know what the promises of God are. Because most people in the church, and this is not to condemn anybody, but it's trying to help make a point. Most people in the church are not students of this book. So most people in the church only know what they have been spoon-fed. And most people in the church do not buy CDs to listen to the messages over and over and over and over again so that they can pick up on everything that the Lord fed them on that day. So
So this, this text speaks about the remnant returning to take possession of the land. It speaks about the condition of the people, the, the spiritual and the f physical condition of God's people. This, the, the condition of the people is that they have been taken into exile and they have been scattered. They've been taken into exile and they've been scattered. How many of us have heard this before about Israel? We've heard it. And exile, the word exile means banishment, expulsion, deportation. A political exile is a displaced person, a refugee, a deportee. The word scatter uh, means to throw about, th throw about in a di different direction. And they're often using force, all right, like a tornado that's scattered. If you watched, if you watched uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the news reports from the tornadoes that in Oklahoma City, and you saw the destruction. But you saw how stuff was scattered everywhere. Everywhere. Okay? To disperse, to break up, to disband, to separate. And as I meditated on this, the Lord began to speak to me, and he said, my people today are scattered in their inner person, in the inner man. They've been separated from their true selves the self that I created them to be. They've been thrown in different directions in their minds. They don't know who they really are. They're so disjointed, disconnected, broken up, and disbanded, and have been chased for so long that they don't know themselves. They've learned to hide their feelings their emotions, their sins, their true selves for so long that they've hidden themselves from themselves. They've come to church, but the church is in the same condition. My people are in exile, in the spirit realm. They're displaced. They have been deported from me. The spiritual condition. You know, you ever ask yourself, am I crazy? Yeah. Or either you said, I know I'm not crazy. Even young people say, yeah. Don't go to sleep on me. Y'all, we need this. We need this. It's because of the stuff that's going on in our minds. It's because of the way our minds have been divided. Our minds have been disconnected, disjointed, separated. Sometimes you feel like you're running, you're running, you're running, and you're not getting anywhere. Sometimes you feel like you're spinning your wheels. Now, maybe some of y'all have it together. I'm not preaching to you. Okay. But then you be in prayer for somebody who does not have it together. God says, this is the condition of my people. They're just all messed up. They're all mixed up. And they're not telling anybody. Lord have mercy. 
My people are in exile. My people have been deported from me. You know, we quote that scripture, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So we believe that we train our children up. Yeah, they're going to stray, but they're going to eventually come back. And we're not dealing with the fact that, our, that sometimes our children are deported from us and from God. Satan is taking control. I asked our teenagers, what was the purpose of us asking you to come up and calling you to the altar on last Sunday and praying with you that you might be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit or, or those of you who at one time were filled that, that, this, that, that this might be rekindled and renewed in you? Because this is so important for us as we walk by faith and I asked them, and been dealing with them for the last two Sundays, on what is the difference between being religious or being a person of faith. You know, and it's, it's difficult for some of them to answer these questions because so many of us are religious and we're not people of faith and we're like the Athenians. We have all of these idols and we even have an idol, we even have an altar to the unknown God. Because even though we come to church and we hear about God, many of us don't have a personal relationship with God. Because there are so many other gods that are claiming our attention. And our minds are confused and mixed up and we don't know what to believe. God says, my people have been deported from me. They're scattered. Not just, not physically scattered, but mentally scattered, spiritually scattered. Minds all confused. Lives all messed up. You want to do good, but evil is always present. You find yourself doing the evil you don't want to do. And you say, well, I'm not going to do this thing anymore. And you find yourself doing this thing again. Because there is a breaking that has not taken place in your life that needs to take place so that it's no longer just a decision that you're not going to do it before. The yoke has been broken and you don't have to do it anymore. Let me go a little bit further. This text speaks of God gathering his people. He said, but I've come to gather my people. I will surely gather all of you, O Israel. I will surely bring together the remnant of my people. Now, I came to announce to you today that God has come to gather his people. Oh, that's not, that's not an amazing thing. Because see, you think you're already gathered. God has come to gather his people. I told you last week and I told you on Wednesday night, there are some things that we cannot do. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Amen. If you could have done it, it would have been done. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Why don't people love the Holy Ghost? Why are you, I, I, I told our young people, I said, now this is what you need to do every day. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Say, Holy Spirit, help me in this day and I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will help you. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you if, and, if, and you'll be right and you'll do right if you don't go past what he says. Most of the time we go past what he says. Why don't we love the Holy Spirit? Why are we not embracing him? Why are we not embracing all of his gifts? Why 
are we still afraid and finding reasons not to be filled with the Holy Ghost, not to speak in other tongues, not to prophesy, not to dream dreams and visions and, 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 and discern spirit? Why is it that we're not clamoring for his presence? There's some stuff you cannot do. There's some things that all of the preaching in the world cannot do. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Micah identifies the one who will accomplish Israel's restoration as Yahweh. And as he describes Yahweh, he describes him as the one who breaks open. The one who breaks open the King and the Lord. You see, the thing that needs to happen in our lives in order for us to come to the place of restoration of our inner self, our true self, not the one we are pretended to be, but the one that God has created us to be is that a breaking happens in our lives. As I said earlier, no human being can perform this. I don't care how much money you pay a doctor, a doctor can't get you back to your true self. Only God can. As with Israel in the captivity in Babylon, there was nothing they could do to get free. Their captives either were too powerful for them to break through on their own, or, they were, or their captives were not going to release them from that bondage regardless of what they did. And you know, the danger of us knowing Scripture and not allowing the Holy Ghost to break stuff in our lives is that we will quote scripture and still be in bondage because we know certain things. But we're still in bondage because the breaking has not taken place. Whew. The Lord is described as the breaker who opens up the way, who breaks through the gates and leads his people out of the land where they have been, where they have been scattered to, where they have been deported or held in bondage. You see, in order for us to be led out the way, in order for us to be led out, the way needs to be broken open. You're not going to come out. Satan has such strongholds in our lives. Satan is not ready to release those strongholds. And he will not readily release them. Are you listening to me? Satan is not letting you go easy. Now, let me break Satan down for you. That alcohol addiction is not letting you go easily. That sexual perversion is not letting you go easily. That, that lying spirit is not letting you go easily. That gossiping spirit is not letting you go easily. That stealing spirit is not letting you go easily. So you'll stop stealing in the world and you come to church and you won't pay your tithes and you still steal it. It won't let you go easy. That spirit of confusion will not let you go easy. That spirit of pride will not let you go easily. 
I just want to break Satan down to you so that you can begin to see that this is not just some spirit that's out there, but it is a spirit that's working in you. He's built up strongholds in our lives that he is not readily relinquishing. And there is no counselor in this world that can break Satan's strongholds. All of the psychology, all of the sociology, all of the psychiatry in the world cannot break the devil's strongholds. You can turn over a new leaf, but you still got that stronghold. You can move to a new city, but you still got that stronghold. You can make some new friends, and you still got that stronghold. Your willpower won't break Satan's strongholds. The only one who can break it is the breaker. The only one who can break it is the breaker. And you can listen today if you want to listen. You can close it off if you want to close it off. But 10 years later, you'll still be bound until the breaker breaks that stronghold off of your life. Why did the disciples have to go in the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father? Something had to be broken off of their lives that they could not break by themselves. If the breaker had not gone forth and manifested himself in that upper room on that day, they would have still been a group of people who had seen the resurrected Christ but had never experienced the power of a resurrected life. They would have had a story to tell but no power to endure, no power to perform, no power to break through. The breaker, glory to God, was who they needed and Jesus knew that they needed him. His work was not complete without the breaker breaking forth in their lives, in their situations, in their circumstances. Fear had to be broken. Timidity had to be broken. Cowardice had to be broken. The lion spirit had to be broken. The spirit of competition had to be broken. The spirit of self-preservation had to be broken. Glory to God. The spirit of pride had to be broken. All, glory to God, of the things that the devil had put in their minds from childhood had to be broken. And there was nothing in them prior to Pentecost and the Pentecost experience that could break all of these things and bring them to the place of deliverance and freedom. They needed the breaker, and the breaker went forth on the day of Pentecost. That's why I came to tell you today, the breaker has gone forth. Ooh. Ah. The breaker has gone forth. And he's here, y'all. He's here. He's here, and he's gonna be here until the Lord removes him out of the way. And while he's here, you need to latch on. You need to embrace him. You need to receive breaking in your life. Now, 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 I told you I was gonna come back to the remnant. Be mindful of the fact that it was only a remnant that was led out of their confinement. 
God never forces us. And that's why we can come to the altar and be prayed for and we can make a decision and then a few days later, a few hours later, we've fallen right back into the same thing because God is not going to force us. He breaks through the gates. Everything that has confined you is a gate. Everything that has blocked you is a gate. Everything that has imprisoned you is a gate. Everything that has held you back is a gate. Everything that has blocked your progress is a gate. Everything that has dammed up your well is a gate. He breaks through those gates and he opens the way to lead you out. He does, he does not just break through the gates and leave you there to get out by yourself. He is there to lead you out. He's with you every step of the way, leading you, guiding you, gently coaxing you, gently encouraging you every step of the way, even protecting you uh, and warring for you uh, as you come out. He's there because as you come out, the devil is trying to get you back in. I say he, I told you, he doesn't release you. He doesn't relinquish his, his hold on your life easily. So, yeah, yeah, every, while you're on your way out, yeah, 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 he's trying to get you back. But the Lord is right there. He said, I will lead you out. You got you to sense the Lord's leading in your life, you know. And the Bible says those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So he's leading us all of the way. Somebody needs to hear this today. It becomes fearful for you. Even when you know the gates have been broken down and broken through, it gets fearful coming out of your bondage. But God wants you to know that he's right there. Jehovah Sabbath is there leading you out every step of the way. He even dispatches his angels to war for you. As you come out of bondage. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. All you got to do is trust him. He is the conquering king. He is the victorious king. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He is with you every step of the way. I got to go back to this now. I said, I said that only those who want to come out will come out. That was a remnant. Remnant meaning that it wasn't everybody. It wasn't everybody. There was a remnant. Are you hearing? Only those who want to come out will follow his lead and come out. Only those who want to come out will follow his lead and come out. Only those who want to come out will follow his lead and come out. Others will stay in because they don't really want to come out. There are familiar things. There are things that are familiar to you. So you don't want to leave what's familiar. Lot's wife could not forget about Sodom. And she looked back. And when she looked back, she turned to a pillar of salt. She didn't really want to come out. She didn't really want to come out. Only those who want to come out will follow his lead and come out. Why didn't Lot turn to a pillar of salt? Because the angel said, go and don't look back. And Lot went and didn't look back. But his wife looked back. 
Only those who want to come out will follow his lead and come out. Are you hearing the Lord today? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the remnant is not everybody. Why do you get discouraged when everybody don't act like they love the Lord? Why do you get discouraged in church when everybody don't act like they're supposed to act? Maybe you are part of the remnant right now and they're not. Because you're part of the remnant don't mean you can look down on them. You got a job to do if you're part of the remnant. You got to get more people in the remnant. Oh my goodness. Ah. Yeah, only a remnant wanted to go so much, listen now, that they were willing to be obedient and go through the struggles and what they would have to do and be to be included in the remnant. It's not easy, y'all. It is not easy. We are born in sin. We are shaped in iniquity. Are you understanding me? It is not, now, 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 this is not an excuse to sin. It is not easy, but you got to make up your mind that you want to be a part of the remnant. You got to make up your mind that you want to be a part of the remnant. Only a remnant wanted to go so much that they were willing to be obedient and go through the struggles and what they would have to, what they would have to go through to be a part of that remnant. Only a few, only a few could do this. Only a few would do this to be counted in the remnant. So being a part of the remnant is an individual decision and an individual determination and not God's decision. You hear it? God, I, I'll be finished in a few minutes. God is not selectively picking up, okay, you're going to be a part of the remnant. You're going to be a part of the remnant. You're going to be a part of the remnant. He's not going to be a part of the remnant. She, no, 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 no. Your decision determines where you will be. It's your decision. It's your determination. God honors your faith. Oh, Lord, have mercy. There was only a remnant that came out. Only a remnant that came out of Babylon. Even when you look at the history of, 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 of Egypt coming out of abundance in uh, history of Israel, coming out of abundance in Egypt, history records that there are still Jews in Egypt that stayed there when God delivered the nation from bondage because some people did not want to come out Why would they not want to come out? Maybe they had, they had immersed themselves in the Babylonian lifestyle or the Egyptian lifestyle and culture and they had no desire to be delivered. Why should we leave? I mean, it's good for us here. You know, maybe they had some inroads, you know. Some of us remember the house niggas doing slavery. Maybe they had some connections. And maybe it was better for them than for their slave brothers and sisters, right? But they maybe had immersed themselves in Babylonian life and culture and they didn't have any desire to come out. Maybe they loved the things that were down there more than they loved the Lord. They didn't have any reason to want to come out. The Bible says, love not the world or the things of the world. 
Uh, oh my goodness. Because the things of this world, they're not of God. This world is passing away. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, everything that gets, catches our attention in the flesh, God says, don't love it. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, God says, don't love it. Because it's the love of those things that will keep you bound in Babylon. It will keep you bound in Egypt. And when God has, tried, has broken the way for you to come out, you will not come out because you love those things more than you love God. Lord, help us today. Help us today. Help us today. Help us today. The breaker only opens the way, y'all. He only opens the way and he leads those people out who have a mind to be free and who will follow his leading after he's opened the way. Do you have a mind to be free? If you have a mind to be free, the breaker is here. And he's broken open the way. Hallelujah. So that you can come through the gates. He's going to lead you through the gates. He's going to lead you through everything that has confined you. Everything that has held you back. Listen, y'all, people have gone through so much. And some stuff people have gone through, they're not, they're not at the place that they can get up and testify. Sexual molestation. You know, stuff that people laugh about and joke about and make other people feel timid about coming forth and saying, I've got this problem. I need help. Can you help me? Can you, can you show me the way? And here we are in the church, we're laughing and joking about stuff. How many people have been sexually molested as children? Raped and abused. How many children have grown up in houses where they were mentally abused? Physically abused? How many people and these things still hold on to them in their adult life. But if you want to be free, the breaker is here to open up the way. And as I looked at this thing and I thought about, I thought about uh, the disciples and thought about what happened at Pentecost and how, how the Holy Ghost came and how he broke in and and, 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 and filled them with the Holy Ghost and how they were transformed. You know, Peter was timid, but you see him standing up boldly preaching the gospel. And we don't know the stuff that was going on in the other men's lives, but the Holy Ghost broke it. But one of the things that the Lord showed me and said to me is that the, that the breaker is going to stay with you. He's going to be with you. He, 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 God has not taken him out of the way yet. He's here in this world. Why? Because along the way, there might be something else that needs to be broken in your life. Peter had to be rebuked. Because when he, when he went to the Gentiles and started eating with the Gentiles and received the Gentiles, when his Jewish brothers came, Peter drew back and acted like he had not had anything to do with them. They, Paul had to rebuke him openly. And it wasn't Paul, but it was the breaker. Lord have mercy. You're not hearing me today. 
We don't recognize the power of the Holy Ghost. We recognize people and we need to see the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. God has set up some stuff because things need to be broken. And if we are not careful, we will still be angry with people and unforgiving, not recognizing God set this up. Because this thing had to be broken. Lord, have mercy. The breaker is here. To break some stuff in your life. The breaker is here. I can't break it. I can only pray for you. But the Holy Ghost can break it. I'm a living witness that the Holy Ghost can break it. 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 I don't care how long you've been bound, the Holy Ghost can break open those chains. I don't care how rusty those chains are, the Holy Ghost can break them. I don't care how thick that wall is, the Holy Ghost can break it. Are you hearing me? Now I can't make you Yield to the Holy Ghost. I can't make this be real for you. I'm just a messenger. I can only bring you the message. What are you going to do with the message? What are you going to do with the message? We got some messed up people. And, and, and I don't say that in a negative way because God knows my mind been messed up. Been that done that. But it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of the Living God who can bring the breaking. What will you do with the message? What will you do with the message? Let's stand. Maybe you need to 